Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. I'd like to buy the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and honeybees and snow white turtle doves. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Before My Time. I am your host, Gelsey Laurie. We are joined, as always, by our co-host, producer, and let's face it, best friend, Matt Kelly. And we are talking about the history of Coca-Cola. See, since the history of wine episode was such a raging success, we need it to dive into some of the more drinks. And you've offered a couple drinks that you've learned the history of. Uh, yeah. And I said, which one do you feel like like you've got to just tell us the, the exciting tale? And you said, oh, Coca-Cola for sure. Yeah. So here we are. The history here. of Coke, Coca-Cola. Not to be confused with the history of Coke. No. Or this maybe. No. Kind of. <laughs> No, this is uh, this does not take place in Cartagena, Colombia, with a cartel. That is not where the location of the story starts. But yeah, um, we're going to go way, way back, Matt, to the 1880s. Ooh, that's not Ooh. too far back. We've gone further. Anyway, so in the 1880s. There was a huge backlash at doctors and kind of the medical field at that point. And there was a huge wave of home remedies being sold and kind of used for medical ailments and medication instead of actual medication. And there was no at that time, you know, so you, you, we got a lot of um, entrepreneurs, deceitful entrepreneurs who are creating potions and elixirs and claiming they have a wide variety of medical benefits, which a lot of these elixirs, most of them had dangerous and ineffective concoctions. So they're actually kind of like harmful 
to us and, and whatnot, but there's no regulations at this time, duh. So anything can be bottled and sold and any claims can be made that it's going to fix your headache, it's going to fix your stomach pain. It's Some of them were crazy claims like if you drink this every day within three days if you're on crutches, like you will never use that again. You, your limps will go away. You're, like just, you know, absurd whatever. So one of these drinks was called um, Vin Mariani and it basically was a concoction of wine and cocaine and it claimed that it could cure any sickness which if you consume and they said but you have to consume three glasses a day so if you're consuming wine and cocaine throughout the day daily every day you're probably going to just feel better because it's just masking like just you're just buzzed and on coke so yeah you're like i feel great <laughs> fuck yeah so actually we should go back to that why well, i don't understand why we're not doing that now like i was sick all day yesterday on the couch I think if I did a line of Coke and had some wine, I might have and been like... And chugged a bottle of wine, you'd be I flying. think I'd be like, I could go out and do everything! And, and, <laughs> that would probably be a bad idea. That sounds like the last thing I want to do when I'm sick. <laughs> I just I just want to make a clear statement before we start. Not that if you've done Coke, go for it. Live your life. I never have. I will joke that I have a lot. And it sounds like I'm a Cokehead. But I always, sometimes I listen to these and I'm like, I sound like I do this shit all the time. And I was like, I never... I'm too hyper for it. I think if I did a line of Coke... I would explode or I would be like that scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit when Roger takes a shot of whiskey and he's like, ah! like that would be me on Coke. Like, so I'm just not, I'm not allowed. Anyways, anyways, okay. So Coke and wine, back to that. So at the time there was a, a chemist named John Pemberton and he was a huge fan of this drink. He was a war veteran and was severely injured in battle. So he's dealing with a lot of pain in his life. And actually, when he was in the hospital with his initial injuries and, and whatnot, he got highly hooked um, to morphine and had a serious morphine addiction. So he uh, discovers Vin Mariani and gets hooked on that and is like, it's helping me off my morphine. And it works. And it, of course, again, it made him feel better because it's wine and Coke. And it just kind of like replaced the morphine, even though morphine's a lot stronger, whatever. Felt better, duh. So... After having this, he's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create my own version. I'm going to make my own drink of this. And he does. In 1884, he creates a ripoff version of this called French Wine Coca. And it basically is the same thing. It's wine and Coke, but has a couple other ingredients. This is what is the original Coca-Cola. So this becomes that. Now we hit a problem. This is 1884, he creates it. About 85, he's distributing it. Still as a medical drink. 1886, Prohibition hits. Uh So, (laughs) yeah, uh uh-oh, big uh uh-oh. So Pemberton has to remove the wine, and at that time, he replaces it with carbonated water, which left a really bitter taste. Now it's not good, so he adds a high amount of sugar. Ding, ding, ding. Um, And he needed a new name because the original name said French wine in it. And... um, Pemberton's bookkeeper, Frank Robinson, is the one who came up with the name Coca-Cola. Now, the company later says that that name means nothing. Like, if you look on their website, they're like, it's just a catchy name. It sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. The cola comes from the cola nut, which contained caffeine. And coca comes from the coca leaf, which was cocaine. So we get Coca-Cola. And, yeah, I love that they did. They deny so much, and it's great. I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but by 1929, they do remove the cocaine. So we got a couple good decades of hyped up Coca-Cola, but uh, they they eventually do remove <laughs> the cocaine. Um, but there's still not very many people buying it, right? So we're kind of it's still not getting – it's still being sold on a medical aspect. And early ads described it as 
harmless and it's a wonderful brain tonic that relieves headaches and upset stomachs is how they were trying to sell it. But they were really slow because there's so many drinks like this on the market for these medical elements and, and whatnot. And so it's just like their competition was they were just a nobody. John Pemberton dies in 1888, but before he dies, he sells Coke for $2,300 to a man named Asa Candler. And uh, once, so Pemberton does die. It's kind of sad. He never actually lives to see his drink become anything and doesn't mm-hmm. even know that it's going to become like the Coke company that we know today. I mean, duh, he was going to be dead anyways. But anyway, so <laughs> Candler buys all the shares that other people have for full control of this company. But there later becomes an investigation that shows there's a lot of forged signatures and not all the shares were bought, but he had the early records of the company burned, most likely to tie his tracks. So we're already getting a mwahaha kind of a guy. Yeah, coming there's, there's already over. some like, like that's like a, I feel like we're early into the story of Coca-Cola. And if someone was making a movie about the history of Coca-Cola, we've just told one story that would be a film all in it itself. Oh, of a like thousand percent. The way the man who stole Coca-Cola or whatever. Exactly. And like, Asa Candler already is coming in with like a good like rubbing hands together, twirly mustache, occasionally give it a little pinch kind of a guy. That's, I'm, he didn't look like that, but I'm imagining very like, ma, <laughs> yeah, Coca-Cola's just, mine. He, he yeah, definitely tied up like a girl. like deadly... Or, yeah, uh, not, uh, snidely whiplash. Yeah, he like definitely is tied up a damsel and put her on a train track. Like that's the kind of guy that I'm just like, nope, that's who he is in my brain. So he does something actually though that's quite genius, and this is what makes the company. He doesn't really focus on the product; he focuses on advertising, and he does something that was never done before. He fills the town with billboards, placards. He literally puts coke everywhere. If there's a barn, they paint it on. If there's signs, like they just put all of their money into advertising and it was um a huge success he does another really smart move where he contacts all the pharmacies and gets a list of their top customers and sends them all coupons for a free coke so he's like if we can get them to try the product they'll be forever um customers but also coke has things in it that are addictive ae at this time there's still cocaine in it but then also caffeine we all know is highly addictive and I'm one of the consumers there. I need my fix. I literally wake up with headaches and I'm like, oh no, I have a headache. And I'm like, oh no, I just need my coffee. Great. Yeah. Addiction. I mean, 100%. I, I've, I've cut out soda and I've never had coffee, but even cutting out soda, I. so weird. I have a chai tea every single day because it's like the one intake of sugar that I can get each mm-hmm. day. I cut out soda when I was really young. Uh, my sister and I were going through a phase where we were getting cavities left and right. Like every time we went to the dentist, it was multiple and we were just like, ah. Oh. And our, we had one dentist that was like, honestly, stop drinking soda. He's like, if you stop drinking soda, I guarantee you, you won't have a cavity. And we were so sick of getting fillings. We were like, fine, no more soda. And we just yeah. like went cold turkey as kids cut out soda and it he was right like the next time we went back we had no cavities and we were like holy shit yeah and so ever since that point like it's also a great way to drop weight if you're if you're like trying to lose weight and you drank a lot of soda even same thing with beer like yeah you don't have to do any diet just like drop the soda out for like a month or so and you will literally suddenly drop like 10 15 pounds well i do that i've helped a few friends on tours kind of health like I'm I'm not really into the idea of dieting per se I'm more like just have a healthy lifestyle and balance and all that whatever blah 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 but I do tell like I had a friend that she was like can you help me this that and her diet was like insanely southern fried food liter of soda all this and I was like honestly like I just had her focus on not drinking calories I was like don't change your diet but just 
be conscious of everything you're consuming drink wise with sugar and that. And she did, and like she lost weight immediately. I was like, yep. See. It's, it's anyways, insane. this is going into like a diet thing. Um, Which is not what this show is about. So tell no, me about the cocaine soda Live water. Life. Um, okay, <laughs> sugar soda water. So um, yeah, so. <laughs> They then um, moved their marketing. So they're still being sold as a medical drink. And it's kind of like, meh, it's, you know, doing good. The advertising's working. But they moved their marketing from medical to a tasty, relaxing drink anyone could enjoy. So now they're just like, screw it. What if we just made this that it's accessible to anyone? And it's just a yummy time drink. And the sales grew rapidly, like crazy. Now, I'm thinking if I'm walking around town in one day, see like Coca-Cola, ease your stomach. And then, like, the next day, they're like, fuck it, just drink it for funsies. I'd be like, wait a minute. Wasn't this just, like, a medicine a second ago? But it totally worked. And they kept dumping money into advertisement, which to this day has not changed. I mean, we can all – you can't go 10 minutes in your day without seeing Coca-Cola somewhere. Um, But they did something else. They started paying movie stars and athletes for endorsements as well, which was a huge – and this is still, you know, early 1900s, then getting into, like – the talkies, but you know, just it's not like what we know today going, oh, yeah, of course, athletes are wearing all this shit all the time, and this, that. It just, it hadn't been really done as much before. And, and a lot of these marketing um, strategies that we go, oh, yeah, you, you put it everywhere. They, they even ran tests to see like surveys how, where the biggest foot traffic was and where like traffic at certain times of day. And that's where they put their advertisement in. Like they were doing all this research that no one had ever done before. So again, today it sounds like it's a common place. And these are all strategies that like, if you go to business marketing school or a degree in that, these are all things you're going to learn and be like, of course, that's a basic, but they are the ones that pioneered it all. So that, you know, they do have that huge, um, weight on it they even do things i'm going to jump forward a teensy bit into the timeline into kind of the 30s when they heavily add santa claus into their i was literally just about to ask you isn't there something there's something huge with coke and santa claus yeah, right yeah, like yeah. i think so, i've heard so so what i feel like i've heard and then uh-huh. correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like coca-cola is almost directly responsible for santa claus as we currently know him like their design of santa claus is the santa claus that we all now like believe comes down our chimney every yeah he popularized uh, december 24th yeah exactly (laughs) it's they didn't create that look um it was you know pulled from other images but before the 1930s the image of santa claus varied widely with different artists and illustrations depicting him in very different ways however in 1931 coca-cola commissioned haddon sundbloom a commercial artist to create a series of christmas adverts featuring santa claus and his depiction of santa claus was what we know today a jolly routed white bearded man in a red suit and that became kind of the standard image of how we see santa claus today it is it's like it you can't say that, you know, it had been created that kind of general image before, but again, it was mixed in. I mean, if you look at really old Christmas decorations or adverts or drawings from late 1800s, early 1900s, you will see Santa Clauses that are thin or have a different outfit, kind of more of a dress or a nomad. You know, it, it does vary a lot, but this really brought in the honed in image of Santa Claus we know today. Now, one of the biggest um reasons they do this is to start marketing children and start associating Christmas and Santa Claus with Coca-Cola. Um which is a brilliant move, Coke. Uh, initially though, 
kind of going back a little then before the 30s, they were mostly sold, well, around the same time, mostly sold in soda fountains. So they would only distribute the syrup and it saves tons of money because all they have to do, like the packaging and distribution of just syrup is not that expensive. And then the soda fountains would then mix it with the carbonated water they have and they could sell it that way. Two lawyers come along, Benjamin and Joseph, they have the idea to bottle it. Now, Asa Candler thinks that's a dumb idea. He's like, why? I, this is doing great, selling syrup. Why would we take that risk? He thinks it's a flop. So they agree to take on all the cost and all the risk themselves. And so Candler agrees and writes up a contract. But because he doesn't think it's a huge success, he does not put a lot of thought and time into this contract. And he agrees them um, agrees and grants them all bottling rights for a fee of $1. And because there's no thought to the contract, there was no time frame, there's no mention of if the price of materials to make the syrup goes up, then the cost of this bottling would go up for him. It just, it none of that was put in. So obviously bottling as we know it is huge. It's um, a huge success, which originally Candler thought, well, if it's a flop, I didn't lose much. I'm only doing the dollar thing and I didn't put any money yeah. into it or he's getting paid a dollar. But um, if it's a success, then great. That's more products that I have to sell my syrup to and it, it will be huge for me. But again, so as time goes on, they don't have the bottling rights. If the cost of syrup does go up, now it's like, oh shit, he's distributing and selling it for like a crazy price, blah, blah, blah. Well, that leads to multiple lawsuits in the future between Coke and the bottlers. And the next couple of decades, Coke spends millions of dollars trying to buy back slowly the bottle rights, which is insane. But um, yeah, so eventually <laughs> they get it. And just every year, they just put more money into marketing. Their sales are growing. They're getting more money and they just put it back into marketing, and it always pays off. It is a huge return, so they're doing good. In enters World War II. So during World War II, and I know I've talked about this before in other episodes, but there's a lot of rationing going on for wartime efforts and financial reasons, and sugar was one of those. So sugar was highly rationed, and most companies had to cut sugar from their products. It put companies under, blah, blah, blah. Coke goes to the government and argues that they should be exempt because Coke was an essential wartime product. And the government approved. They're like, yes. Obviously, they were all big Coca-Cola <laughs> drinkers. They're like, don't fucking take away our Coke. So Coca-Cola, um, but they also spent a lot of money lobbying the government. So we start, there's already this like weird relationship between Coca-Cola and the government. And so they're like, give us this. And they're like, sure, because they're giving each other money and like jacking each other off, basically. Let's be yeah. real. <laughs> and they, they also, they argue that it would keep up the morale and provide energy boost for soldiers, which isn't wrong i mean it has caffeine they're literally like let us ship over caffeine to the soldiers but um it did the soldiers did love it and they were like oh this is a taste of home and and all that but the coke president at the time promised every man in uniform would get a bottle for five cents wherever they were now initially this would be a huge loss for the company because they're underselling their product but what it did in return was again boost up sales it was a huge genius marketing move that now it creates a strong connection between war and the uh, war effort and coke and how like they're now playing this whole patriotic we're for the boys and the public goes nuts they love it and coke well, Yeah I was going to say it whether they're losing a loss on the actual soldiers like case in point there is a place not by my house that I order food from pretty regularly, and I would have ordered food from them regardless because their food is quite good. But 
in the last couple months, I found out that during the pandemic, they kept a running list of every person who was furloughed in our town. And at the end of the day, they would take whatever leftovers they had and would drive around for hours delivering free meals to every family that was furloughed. And like finding that out makes me just go like, oh, well, now they're like my number one. If I'm going to order out, that's the type of business I want to support. So like Coca-Cola, it it makes sense. You're taking a little bit of a loss on the people who are coming back from war, but you're doing such a great PR move that everyone feels better about themselves purchasing a Coca-Cola. Yeah, and the, the sales. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it was a good move. I was like, damn, they're smart. They're like, we're going to lobby the government and get what we need and do all this. Well, listen, it gets even smarter. So they do, um, they start running new wartime ads. You know, it's always men in uniforms holding the Coke bottles and it just really became this image and a huge part of the war. And they made a deal with the government to get money to help set up plants overseas so that they could spread American influence and boost soldier morale. And of course, the government's like, fuck yeah, let's go. So initially, taxpayers are helping fund Coke's global expansion. So they used this as their opportunity to globally expand, but again, on the government's dollar, which is the people's dollar, and we're in war. So there were 64 bottling plants set up around the world, um, again, mostly funded by the government. And the techs who installed the cola plants were deemed just as vital as the people who were fixing tanks and planes during the war. So they really put a lot of emphasis on like, this is just as important, which sure. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, right on. (laughs) Sure, and then of course, you know, the military like became the Coke sales force. They're all over the world. The drinks were shared with locals. The soldiers were so thankful for the taste of home that they become the drink's biggest advocates. So you have like the number one fan of the drink worldwide as the drink is becoming worldwide. It was, it's like this, the war is literally what boosted Coke to a global organization and, and reaching the world. Um, fun fact, only two countries today don't sell Coke. Can you guess what they are? Two countries that don't sell Coke. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to guess England. Nope. Okay. Think more American. Uh, Who doesn't want to sell American products? Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Japan? No, Japan loves us. Oh, That's okay. true. I'm terrible We're done with this. this. Just um, tell me. Cuba and North Korea. See, I wouldn't have. I was next. I was oh. going to go with Australia. I So, <laughs> it, you know what? It, you're giving me those hints, and I'm just thinking of like, I'm not sure if you've. I'm not sure how much clickbaity shit your parents send you, but my parents are constantly sending me these things. It's like ten American products that aren't sold anywhere on this else in the United States because of oh. outside of the United States because of health concerns. So I'm like, oh, oh well, who would be, that would make sense. Who would be health conscious about like we that cannot bring in <laughs> sugary no, substances loves. like that? And are you kidding me? <laughs> England, like all of my friends from the UK are like the biggest Coke consumers. There was this one girl, um, or my friend Lauren. We did a contract together. But when we lived in an apartment together during a rehearsal period, like she would literally just have like a liter of Coke and drink it like it's her like small bottle. And I swear she drank. She also was like the tiniest person I've ever seen. And I'm like, how are you? Like how? You did this. I thought you meant that she drank it with her pinky out very properly. Very classy. (laughs) No, she's like itty bitty. Was just like the thinnest, tiniest person and could just like down Coke. Like all my friends are like, oh, just gonna get grab a quick Coke. Like, it's my <laughs> terrible impression of all my friends. Beautiful. I'm sure we right. won't lose any uh, listeners in the UK from that impression. <laughs> hey, if you're in the UK and you're listening to this, let me know. Like, write somewhere and be like, it's me. And then be like, you fucking suck. All right. I won't do that again. So 
we think, right, patriotic, all-American, everyone's like, woohoo, Coca-Cola. Eh, wrong. They're just in for the money because they were also supplying Nazi Germany with Coke. It was highly distributed at Hitler Youth rallies and advertised on Nazi educational pamphlets. And oh. they kind of changed their angle there. They obviously weren't playing the all-American woohoo. They highly dissociated from patriot patriotism, uh, America, all that, to then sell in Nazi Germany. And it did quite well there. But as the war progressed, there were restrictions on um, imported goods, especially from America, and they cut off the supply. So Max Keith, who was the head of the German bottling operations for Coca-Cola, reached out to local chemists to create a new drink similar to Coke using their own resources, which was generally made from leftover scraps of other food produce. And thus is the birth of Fanta. Oh, yeah. I, I was thinking you were going to say something else, but all right, let's continue nope, with Fan- Fanta. Fanta gets born, <laughs> and it's a huge hit in Nazi Germany. It's like there's tons of – you can look up uh, Fanta adverts with Nazi shit, and it's all there. All of that profit after the war goes back to Coca-Cola's headquarters because that's who started it. Max is given a huge promotion in the company, and by 1955, Coke is selling Fanta in many different countries. So they're like, cool, works for us. So they they – Oh, with open arms, open their Nazi soda and start selling it. This is the beginning of many. Um, I kind of generally stop the heavy. I'm going to go into a little uh, competition here on info, but that's where like the vast of my main research of like the start of it, because then we get into like corporate shit into like the 80s and the 90s, and I just felt like it was too close to my time. But I will say that. As we continue, there's things that they do or did, I think they still do it, where there was one teacher at a school who was like, we need to look at our children's health, like what we're giving them at the schools. We should offer healthier drinks, like fruit juices, this, that. And the school basically was like, that's not possible. We can't. She's like, why not? And she learned, her horror, that um, Coca-Cola was paying the school and was doing this with tons of schools. I think they gave them like $3,000 to only sell Coca-Cola products in school and the schools were at a really low funding era at that point and they were like we're desperate we, we can't say no and they were doing that to try to hook kids which there's a lot of things that like obviously now it's shown there's a laws that you can't directly market to kids even though you can because all the toy commercials like hello but there's certain things that they've like manipulated around like by doing this and trying to sell it to kids at a young age behind like it's kind of sleazy but anyway so they're hooking up a younger generation it's kind of brilliant because they're going to get addicted because you're giving children caffeine at a very young age which that always blows me away that like all these kids that do drink coca-cola and the fact that there is caffeine in there i'm like i don't think that's good for that child no to be consuming it's, caffeine. it's very much like not. it's really not good i mean it's bad enough that we do it as adults but yeah Anyways, but in the backlash of like trying to have, they should have more health drinks and this, that, they get in on the water market and create Dasani. That does backlash because I think it was in the UK, I read that they were just filling the bottles with tap water and they're like, they're selling us tap water. And then they were like, no, we treat it. It's like we put it through a filter system. That led to um, a whole batch being highly contaminated and they were adding shit that was like really bad. So then that got recalled and was like a huge problem. Um... There was a huge land waste problem. I think India was like the top one that they were like fucking up their land because of the waste 
that they were dumping off from their plants and their products, that it was like screwing up the agriculture. And that wasn't just India. There was a couple of countries. Like there was tons of problems with this. They're contaminating. There was a whole batch at a phase that um, they had to recall a bunch of Coca-Cola bottles themselves because they were contaminated. Like a couple kids died. Um, all of that, all of Nazi shit. And their biggest backlash ever in the press was when they changed the taste to their new Coke. Yeah, New and Coke was, was like the New biggest Coke. PR nightmare that they've ever Huge. had to deal with. And the reason that they made, quote unquote, New Coke, yeah, it's the only thing that they've ever gotten shit for. And it's it's insane. Yeah. You like read all this stuff and you're like, and the only problem is that New Coke sucks. And they did that because in comes Pepsi. Pepsi got there started go. the early 1900s as well. Um, and they were Pepsi Cola. They offered Coke like so many times to a deal to buy them. At one point in 1933, they were offered a deal to buy Pepsi for $50,000 and they turned it down. So they constantly would turn down offers to buy out Pepsi. And Coke sued Pepsi for using the word cola in their ads. They're a ripoff of us, da, da, da. Backfired. Pepsi countersued them for trying to gain a monopoly on cola. And then that is when cola gets deemed a public term and just a reference of like what it is instead of Coca-Cola yeah. being able to have that. Then they go into a forever marketing battle and – it's just up and down. At one point, they both start, like, cutting their prices and adding, like, you get a free one, you do this. And they're just cutting the market so much that it was hurting both of them. And they realized, okay, this is dumb. So there's... Oh, yeah. I remember as a kid in, like, the late 80s, early 90s even, you could get, like, what was essentially a liter of Pepsi for, like, a dollar fifty. <laughs> like, the price yeah. on soda was so low at a certain point. I remember it that. Well, and that was even, like, in the early 70s, they were doing this shit and this, that. They There's speculation that they had maybe cut a secret deal behind doors. It's not for sure. We don't know if they were like, let's stop this price. Like, I raise my price, you raise your price because this fucking is dumb. And um, Pepsi in 1975 gets the idea that they're not going to compete on marketing, but they're like, we'll just compete on taste. And so they launched the Pepsi Challenge, which went on for quite a long time. I think even into yeah. the 90s, I remember the Pepsi Challenge. And they would go around and do blind taste tests, two white cups, Coca-Cola in one, Pepsi in the other. And it always showed that Pepsi was preferred. Even if not much higher, they always won out on taste. So they started pumping that into their ads. They started doing the classic, like their commercials were the videos of people being like, I like this one better. Oh, what? It's Pepsi? Oh, my God. I can't believe I chose that one. Like, I don't know why we're in Britain again. Yeah, that was Um, an interesting voice choice on that one, Kelsey. (laughs) It was a little bit, like, Muppety. Yeah, those improv classes are paying paying off themselves. I have not been in an improv class since I was a teenager. I just want to solidify I am not that girl. I am not playing improv games on my Friday night. No. I am drinking wine and doing lines of Coke alone in my apartment on Friday night. Um... So to compete with that, Coke was like, oh, fuck, people prefer Pepsi. Well, let's compete. We're going to create a new formula. And they thought it would be like the thing. And that's when new Coke comes out. Huge backlash. I mean, people were like protesting. They were getting letters and letters and letters and calls and calls and calls every day about angry customers. And most of these people hadn't even tried new Coke. And I think one of the CEOs or someone was like, we could have just created God's Elixir and people still wouldn't care. They wouldn't try it. It's, It's the concept of how could you take away our Coke? and this that so they turn it back and then they release that's when classic coke comes out 
they release classic Coke, sales rise. It's a huge success. Everyone's like, thank you for our Coke back. There yeah. again was some people going, uh, was this all a planned stunt that they went back? It wasn't. And Coke was like, no, they actually really thought this new Coke would work. But it actually helped them in the long run with sales with Amazing with the classic Coke. Um, that's about where I go because, you know, then, like I said, we're getting to the 80s and 90s. Um, obviously, we've all seen our fair share of Coke's journey. We have classic Coke. Then we, you know, Diet Coke comes in. Now Coke Zero, which I listened to a really interesting podcast like a month or so ago about diet culture. Coming back to our diet conversation, but the verbiage on how things are sold, how like diet used to be the thing. And I remember as a kid growing up, it was like everyone was on a diet. I mean, I feel like yeah. that was from like the 70s through the 90s. It was like. But now it's it something like Coke Zero. Zero. Or like and so Bud the Light word or, diet, yeah, like. diet doesn't do as well anymore. They've done it in test groups. It's that because it has a negative connotation of like, oh, a diet is bad. Now we're health conscious. And so zero is implicating more like, oh, sans sugar because sugar is bad. So this doesn't have sugar instead of going, oh, it's diet. And now everyone's like, oh, diet's bad because the chemicals and this, that. Literally Coke Zero is the same fucking thing as diet. Like they just yeah. rebranded and they're selling <laughs> the same thing and everyone's buying it. And it's hilarious to me. Um, it's fucking ge- – marketing is so skeezy, but like it's so genius. Like sometimes I read some of these marketing stunts and this, that, and I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Like, yeah. oh my God, I think I would – in another life, like, love to be in marketing and be that person that, like, works late nights in the office and just, like, kills it and comes up with these, like, genius plans. And I'm like, we will do this big stunt. And, like, I mean, what a terrible life. I don't want to be doing that. But I don't know. I think I'd be really good at marketing. It's I think a show. so, too. And it's a show. Spe- and we're going to talk about a little bit more of the uh, 80s and 90s soda marketing after this quick commercial break. 91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You know, you have like a whole thing. You already have it prepped. But I, I was thinking this earlier in my research, and I'm just laughing because when I think about Fanta, all speaking of marketing, all you think about, I say Fanta, and everyone goes, Fanta, Fanta, don't you want that? Want that Fanta? Don't. I always thought it was like a Latin American based drink or it has this really spicy latin like oh this weather's really hot grab a fanta make it stop that's like and that's a fucking nazi drink i love i love how advertising has affected you as a person because <laughs> i still to this day like i so laughed jingle. out loud this week listening to our jump blues episode when you're just like and i knew that song as the chips ahoy chips song, ahoy song. Because, marketing um, in the 90s I, was on fucking point like it was on point and that's a perfect lead-in to what i was going to ask you all right. uh look I know that both of us started this episode essentially talking about how we've pretty much ripped soda out of our diet uh, or at least regulated it to like very specific circumstances. But Pepsi Pepsi challenge, you've got a bottle of Coke in the fridge, bottle of Pepsi in the fridge. Which one are you grabbing? Um, My gut instinct, I think, is to say Coke. But as a kid, it was Pepsi. I grew up on Pepsi. My mom like was a Pepsi like diet Pepsi like there was never a moment where there was not diet Pepsi in my fridge and so I grew up on diet Pepsi 
Um, and then Britney Spears was like spo- speak, uh, spokesperson for Pepsi, and I was the perfect age to be like, I love Britney. Uh, remember those? Ba, 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 well, there was also, ba, do you remember? Ba, 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 so my pick is Pepsi as well. I think that Pepsi did a great job of advertising, and it is for the kids. They really, and also just, I'm going to say it, the Pepsi can is cool looking. It like is. that blue, like, like it's a cool looking But you know what, as can. I've gotten older and I start like more people have Diet Coke or Coke, because that's just more generally like when I'm at yeah. Disneyland with friends, I'm like, oh my God, and someone will get a Diet Coke. I'm like, that sounds fucking good. Like it's been like in the last year that I find myself having a Coke more than I ever did before. And I'm quite, enjoy- I'm like, fuck, this is fun. And I think it's just yeah. like the years of like dieting so hard. Now I'm like eating these things that I'm like, I like this. And it's yeah. still very rare that I'll have a Coke, but. Um, Same. I, I almost exclusively only drink soda during the week of San Diego Comic-Con. Like, yeah, just because I'm running around so much, it's like, you know what, I need I need any sugar assistant yeah. I can get to keep me going. It's, even when I, like, drink, I used to, so when I first started drinking as a teenager, not like I was, like, heavily drinking, but out, my, my go-to was rum and Coke, and that's only because the Andrew Sisters song, Rum and Coca-Cola. Yeah. Which is a perfect well, example right. of how celebrities brought in I mean the Andrew sisters this is 1940s World War II and they're singing a song drinking rum and coca cola I'm brilliant that's advertising yeah but um, no 100% well that's what I was gonna say is I remember you mentioned Britney Spears I remember the Spice Girls doing the Generation Next song oh my god that's right Generation Next Generation and it was just the Spice Girls drinking Pepsis didn't Michael Jackson have a Pepsi commercial I think I think so. I think that's where his hair caught on fire, right? What? Was filming a Pepsi commercial. Wait. Have you never wait. seen this footage? No. So Michael Jackson was filming a commercial for one of them. It was fire. Pepsi or Coke. I want to say it was Pepsi. And his hair caught on fire from a, like, because it was him doing a live show and there was all these, like, fireworks going off. And you can literally watch the video because his hair catches on fire and he just does a spin and puts his hair out through the, the sheer force of his body spinning fast enough yeah i have never done the full deep dive research but i am under the understanding that that moment is what triggered his obsession with plastic surgery because he got burns and they they gave him a skin graft and then that was like a yeah weird crazy it was a trip though in that video seeing everyone obviously it's a pepsi commercial so yeah all the crowd is holding like the pepsi cups and i haven't seen one of those it was such a trip Remember the old yeah. school, like, you get them at the movies and the Pepsi cups? Like, you don't see those anymore. That was... No. It was fun, but... Um, I Advertising say, works, Kelsey. Generally, <laughs> you said, though, Pepsi versus Coke. Growing up, I said, we always had Diet Pepsi. There, we had something else, though, and it was always Sprite. So I was never a dark cola fan. Um, if I had soda, it was hands down going to be a Sprite, orange soda. Um, when Sierra Mist came out, that was my jam. Like, I, I liked all the lighter flavors and I still do and now I would say I was going to say drinking obviously rum and coke was it that was a small phase it was more of the novelty but as I got older I am a whiskey drinker so whiskey gingers like I love ginger and I love ginger ale that's All probably right. going to be like Fair one enough. of the only sodas I'll go for and nothing beats a whiskey ginger mm. well if somebody's listening and they want to hear even more histories of some of their favorite beverages, where can they go to let us know? Yeah, please let us know on Instagram. You can find us at Before My Time underscore podcast or on Facebook. Just search Before My Time. We will pop up right on our wall. DM us. Write a comment on our latest post and be like, yo, I want to know all about tea or bourbon or coffee. 
that's about where my expertise goes. I think that's all I learned. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> or just let us know what your favorite soda is. What's your favorite Coca-Cola advert? Are you anti-soda? Are you anti-Nazi Germany? Let us know. Thanks so much for listening. If you do have a second, we would love if you gave us a review. It helps us get in front of more listeners like yourself. We'll see you next time. Ciao. Network.